Welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. Join myself, Sorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. and welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. My name is Zorananda, and today we are exploring the final chakra of the chakra series that I have been kind of dragging out over the summer. Um, And I apologize for that. Over the last kind of month or so, I went through uh, a pretty big change in my life of kind of being uprooted from where I was living to into a new space. And so I was a bit delayed on making podcast episodes and editing. So I'm pretty much at the point of catching up, which feels really good. And so basically moving forward now, um, you can look forward to having regular episodes, one to two a week, maybe three a week, uh, depending on how much time I have and uh, the guests that I can have on, plus the solo content that I create as well. So, Sahasrara Chakra. Bit of a mouthful, but um, essentially this is the crown chakra. And today I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I usually have a write-up in front of me that you don't see where I can go through kind of the main points of which... um, helps me get through the material and to talk about things in a, in a, in a manner that flows. But today is different because Sahasrara's chakra is all about experience. It's something that you can explain and you can give kind of like fundamental, um, knowledge on, uh, just like the typical things like the other chakras, um, regarding, the amount of lotus petals, the yantra, the bija, the location, um, the sense and stuff like that. But this one's different because it fully involves your experience with divinity. So it's really a deep dive into something non-physical where your experience of that side of reality has nothing to do with any words or any expression at all. So it's kind of counterintuitive actually and ironic to have a podcast episode where I'm talking about all this stuff, um, especially trying to convey some kind of wisdom regarding the center itself. And I, realize that the only way for me to do that is to talk about my own experiences with it. Um, I I do want to kind of stay in the vein of how I structured the last one. So I do have a picture of it. So if you're watching this, um, you're still going to see the Yantra. Um, You know, if you're just listening, you can easily just look up on Google um, Sahasrara Chakra and see just the gist of what it entails regarding uh, its symbolism, where it's known as the thousand petal lotus, where 
now the kind of color scheme is it's every single color it's no color it's clear it's white it's a multitude of everything right so it's encompassing all that there is within existence and without existence and that's why it can usually in the center there's an ohm symbol and behind it is just white right so um typically the uh, trajectory of consciousness is into that sphere. It's into the thousand petals, not to focus in on one particularly, but to go past and beyond all of it and into the center and into the great beyond, which we come from essentially, or, you know, that's what it's believed. So ooh, a little bit of thunder. I don't know if that uh, got picked up, but where I want to actually start is the end of my story of my hero dose um, experience, right? So in the last two in uh, Vishuddha and Ajna, I was going through this whole story and kind of leaving it at cliffhangers. So I just want to remember where I recap. <clears throat> so hopefully you listened to those two and you got and you got to listen to the story because where I left off in Ajna Chakra is um, that the kind of screen or that green screen that opened up where I saw this um, real life image of myself and my friend playing guitar and how I went into it, fully physicalized myself and then came back and then um, that S-like shape uh, came back and I was moving around and um, it opened up again into these like rolling hills of energy. And I had this very serene moment of sitting there completely empty of any thoughts. So it's hard to imagine because we're so grounded in our physical form that all we really know is the fluctuation of our mind where when we, you know, when we're called upon or asked to enter in a state, which is the complete antithesis of it, it's seemingly impossible because we're so grounded into it. But alas, I was in this state of no thoughts, no thinking. However, I very much had a sense of, of self that was integrated with the realm that I was in. Um, and so what happened next was the startling part because I'm, in this realm rolling hills of energy and I'm just so calm and this like bliss but it's not like an overwhelming like joy and bliss it's a deep knowing that this awareness is my state of being truly and there's bliss that is encompassing all of it all together suddenly I snap back and what I see happen is my friend's girlfriend who was sitting beside me in a stool suddenly stands up and this is, we're in the pitch black still watching the departed. So I'm suddenly snapped back because I see my friend's girlfriend stand up on her stool and touch the ceiling. And then she sits back down and I look at her and I ask, why did you do that? And she looks at me and says, I don't know. And just walks into the kitchen and starts making some food. And it was so perplexing. And all of a sudden, I'm back in my body. 
I get this like rush of feeling because suddenly I'm back high on mushrooms, but I'm right at the point of coming down. So that whole trip was like really at the peak of the peak. And then the come down happened. And then that her standing on the stool and touching the ceiling signified the shift back down. And I just sat there so perplexed. And I just remember thinking about what I just experienced and that none of these friends had any idea that this even happened. And I just think to myself, okay, it's, it's time to go home. (laughs) And so I, I, I spent the night at home recounting this whole thing and always coming back to that moment where she, and by the way, she's completely sober other than, you know, maybe smoking a little bit of weed. She didn't do any mushrooms with us. And so I I would recount to that point of why she stood like that shouldn't just happen. You shouldn't just be compelled to stand on your stool and touch the ceiling, right? It just seems so compulsive and it seems so out of character and even out of her control. Like there was something that moved in her that that needed to like a grounding almost needed to happen for me to come back. Right. And I didn't want to think of it in a selfish way like that. Like, I'm the reason why that she did that, but no one else even noticed. I looked around and everyone was so enraptured by the movie that this happened and she didn't even have any explanation. She didn't even like come back to me and was like, Hey, why did I, you know, it was just like, it was so brief and I was the only one that even saw it. How? I don't even know because I was so deep in that experience. I was in this other realm and I was pulled back to my body through this action of hers and it still is still perplexing to my to this day and it's it's so fun for me to recount this and I love doing it even just in my own mind I love love thinking about it and that's really why I put it in my book because I I think we all go through phenomenal experiences and what I want to convey to people is that there is a way to um have more and more profound experiences like that when you open yourself up to the possibility of it. And this is something that's been innate in my life since I was a child. And so I really feel like I was preparing myself for it without really even knowing it. And then realizing at that moment and afterwards how I can actually start deliberately preparing myself for it, not knowing when this like profound phenomenal experience is going to happen but knowing that there is a way to prepare yourself for it. And that's how I was ushered into yoga after that, because only a couple years later um, with my friend, Chris, who's like a good childhood friend. We've known each other since we were four years old um, where he was like the motivator for me to get into yoga. And I started to see that yoga is the vehicle for the preparation more clearly um, for these natural, um, profound, phenomenal, phenomenal experiences. And then the psychedelics really amps up the potency of it. So can you imagine that, say, if you didn't do any yoga at all in your life and, you know, you didn't do any meditating, you didn't do any of that. And then suddenly you take a psychedelic and it just blasts you into this altered state of consciousness that can be pretty jarring, but if you were to have a spiritual practice and you were to 
slowly enter into that state of consciousness, you're kind of taking like little peaks behind a curtain, right? So each time you meditate, each time you do a powerful, um, maybe not powerful, but even you just do a yoga um, session, you meditate, that you're kind of opening the curtains um, through the window. So you're not quite yet turning it into a door and then opening the door and going through. But that's what it was doing for me. And then throughout the last kind of like over the decade of my life, I've had more and more phenomenal experiences that I prepared myself for. And that's really the nature of Sahasrara, right? It is like a door that opens and it's a portal that ushers in divine energy. And you can have a a spontaneous intervention where something maybe traumatic happens and so you have like a near-death experience and that portal opens and that divine energy comes through and it communicates to you why the event happened and why you need to make changes in your life and how to move forward or you are deliberately acting towards opening the portal a little bit each day and that's really what meditation is is to prepare you for when the synchronicity happens that the phenomenal experience is that the portal completely opens and you get this rush of divine energy and then you're there to embrace it. It's not a shock. It's not like a lightning bolt that just like cooks you, right? It's you've been preparing for it and you go, okay, oh, here it is. All right, I'm ready. I recognize I'm aware here it is and it comes in and then you can do something with it. Right? So, and that's, that's really when I, where I want to go with this podcast. Um, I'm going to show, um, the chakra so that people can, can see it. And again, if you're just listening to it, just go on to Google. The one that I found, um, if I can change it, um, the one that I found, um, it's really beautiful. It's blue and white. So it's like a, a circle and there are, um, like circles kind of, uh, nestled within it. And then there's like the obvious, like kind of Lotus thousand petal Lotus within it. There's obviously not a thousand petals. There's maybe like 50 or so, but, um, whichever one you find, you get a sense of the complexity of it, um, and the arrangement of it looking like a flower, but then the, the, the actual simplicity of it, if you're actually able to trace how each section is made, but then as it gets smaller and smaller, there's more and more complexity that you just don't see. And it kind of fades into the center and into the white. Excuse me. Um, so, again, I don't believe there's any blockage in this chakra. This is the chakra and the gateway for divine energy. And so what I think is it has to do with levels of awareness and wisdom of how to actually gain access to the keys that allow you into its space where there is a governing body of ascended masters, if you want to call it, or ascended yogis or um, these like enlightened beings who are the gatekeepers for who can enter into that realm. And so this is important to understand because what I found in my journey of practicing yoga and really taking on a spiritual practice is that I have come across certain yoga masters who have passed away now and ascended, 
um, who I believe to be the kind of gatekeepers into the upper realms that you have access to through Sahasrara Chakra. So, yes, you can consider this chakra in the most basic form as connecting to your higher self, right? So that's that's one way of doing it to create ease around um, developing a belief system of how to actually um, accept and approach how the chakra system works. Then the next levels are then finding the yoga masters who have access to that realm. And that is a kind of privilege. Um, and that privilege is bestowed upon people through their dedication to the practice, right? So the reason why like I would consider myself as someone that has that kind of privilege is um, the the depth and the extent that I've gone in my life to actually seek out particular teachers and experiences and places to um, allow for initiation process to be there, right? So you don't have to do it that way um, because obviously traditionally the way that you go about this initiation process is that you go into a kind of isolation and you really work on your inner sanctum and you really work on how you break down the illusion of what this world is but none of we don't really have that opportunity to kind of run away into a forest and have all of our needs met or into a cave where maybe we have a couple of disciples that are feeding us and we don't have that, uh, well, luxury, but it's not really a luxury if you're just like running off into a cave. But in today's world where we have access to world travel, that for someone in the modern world to want to have more profound experiences in a yoga context, it is helpful to actually travel to other places where we can go to certain locations that are um, ripe and, and really energized and potent with spiritual energy. So somewhere like the Himalayas or India or South America or like Central America, like Costa Rica, um, or even like Thailand, there's a beautiful island called Copenhagen. Um, it's, it's changed a lot now, but um, the times that I went, I had really beautiful experiences. And um, there's actually a story that I want to tell, particularly about um, Sahasrara Chakra. And so the, the way into this chakra is an integration of all the other chakras, right? And and that's why it seems like there's a blockage in that chakra, but what that's actually indicating is that there is work that needs to be done on each chakra, right? And so what I really love about my teacher is he has a classical kundalini program that he developed to actually work on all the chakras, and he really constructed it in a beautiful way so that there's a really great kind of warm-up um, uh, sequence at the beginning so that you can really prepare yourself for what, uh, what is going to happen with entering and balancing and uh, bringing awareness to the energetic system. 
and then a whole uh, like kind of chakra sequence where you can go through each one and um, through each one you're doing a particular exercise, breathing techniques and uh, chanting of the Bija mantra and meditation. And so that what I've realized is that all that work isn't necessarily on blocking it. It's focusing your mind into it and bringing your awareness into it. And so then you bring your awareness and you bring your focus. That's how you bring healing into it. And so then the healing is what allows it to move whatever stagnance that might be there. And so then as you move up, once you get through the fifth one, you have prepared yourself and you've gone through an initiation. And especially when you're doing this in person with my teacher, Vishwaji, he is a beacon of light for the divinity to come through, um, in the way that it's necessary for you. Like, um, uh, you know, how I explained in the fourth video on, on Ahata where I had this like massive opening into my heart chakra and I had this beautiful experience of connecting with my mother and healing a lot of, um, wounds there. And, and so when you have this person who's acting as a beacon, because they are literally a master, like Vishuji has done this work for decades now. And, and so when you have, um, a person like that to hold space, it allows you to really move through it a lot more uh, quickly and to bring a lot more awareness. Um, and so your deliberate desire to move through these chakras and then focus up onto the crown is what is a kind of a knock on the door, right? Where you are knocking on the door of the enlightened masters and you kind of have to knock loud enough for them to answer. And then you have to be humble enough if they don't answer. And so there's this test that's in place and it's a part of the initiation of what it's going to take for you to let go of all that you know of your physicality and to trust that it's taken care of so that you can move into that space and that you can be in the presence of something greater than yourself. And at first it's, it's really overwhelming, obviously. And so you have to then train yourself to be able to like find focus. It's almost as if when you're um, in a dark room for too long and someone suddenly slips, uh, turns on the light, the light is super overwhelming and it takes time for you to then focus and start to see the objects. So it's very similar, like waking up that you've been in this darkness of the shell of your physicality and suddenly you're opened into all this light and you don't know where to look, right? It's all blinding. And then you kind of slowly have to like calm yourself down and be in that space and then things start to open up. So this next story is one of the most powerful healing experiences I've had directly through meditation. And it's, it's baffling because if you're just uh, like a regular person like me, like, I, I don't know if I would believe this if someone told me that they did this. Um, but because it happened to me and I had, um, a friend of mine 
be witness of it. Um, it moves from this realm of um, a, a kind of like an anecdote to more proof for myself that we are very powerful people and in the right place and in the right time and the right setting and the right pressures and the right kind of situation, you can do very miraculously, very miraculous things um, in an instant. So in 2016, I went to Thailand, I went to Copenhagen, that island, for the second time. So I, I realized that year that this like four-year cycle was coming around. So in 2012, I went to Thailand for the first time, and I went in kind of like the later spring, summer. And then that same year, I went and did my yoga teacher training with Prana, where I first met Vishuji. And so that year, I met two teachers. And at the time I was like, man, this is great. I'm like, I have like these really powerful yogis in my life and I really feel like they're bestowing a lot of energy, um, you know, into my life just by my like reverence for them. Um, and so when, when 2016 came, I, I realized that this like four year cycle was coming and that I knew that I was going to be in Thailand again. And then I knew that I'd be doing another teacher training. Um, and, and so, you know, on the whim and through that air of synchronicity and the mystical rhythm that I like to call it, I, you know, booked my flight to Thailand. I had a bunch of money saved up. So, um, and the way that I like to do it, I just, I just go, I don't worry about where I'm going to stay because, um, Typically, you can find a bungalow there within a day and, you know, I'll just pay like um, two months in advance and it's it's fairly cheap. Like on the island, you know, you can get a just like a basic bungalow for like 200 bucks for the month, you know. So like imagine like 400 bucks, you can spend, you know, uh, two months there living pretty good. Um, And so I did it. I arrived and uh found a sweet little bungalow that you know it's super simple it's just literally you know a bed in a room with a kitchen and it's fairly open you know i had times where i had those like really big like uh like huntsman spiders or or wolf spiders but um for me i'm just not phased by any of that stuff i just capture it and throw it off into the jungle um so this time was very different than my, than my first time because, uh, the school that I was attending the gamma yoga, um, there was some obvious drama in it. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go too much into that. Um, cause I just want to stay on topic with my story of Sahasrara. So maybe on a later date, I'll actually do like um, a full on thing about what my experiences were in Agama yoga and, um, you know, what I, what I think of it and, and that, and that sort of thing. But, um, I had a few friends that were on the Island at that time, just like synchronistically that I didn't know. Um, you know, there's one, um, my friend Samasati who I found out was going to the Island right at the same time, like literally the same day and everything. So we ended up meeting, um, 
I think in like the Bangkok airport and going to the island together. And, um, I had another friend who was already on the island. Her name's Opsada. And I ended up meeting her roommate, Gaynor, um, this like lovely woman from Australia. And we just became really good friends and we were hanging out regularly all together. And it was funny because like, um, in the school, they like are really, um, really strict on like, you don't drink alcohol, you don't smoke, you don't do drugs. It's like, you're only doing yoga. And I, and I followed that really strictly in my, um, first time there, um, because I, I didn't really know anyone on the Island. So I just like really went with it. Um, but this time I met Gaynor and like, she was super relaxed and, you know, like on the weekends we'd smoke cigarettes together and have a beer and we would see some of the students walk by and just kind of glare at us and we'd laugh. And, um, we just didn't take things so seriously and we were starting to learn about all the drama and stuff and we we're kind of seeing like how whack the school was becoming and and so we were like yeah whatever like we're just gonna enjoy our time and we're just gonna you know have fun you know just like being friends and being silly um so this all leads up to this one sunday um afternoon where Sundays are the days off, right? So it's like typically Monday to Saturday where you have your lessons and stuff. And so the Sunday is a day off. And I say to Gaynor, I was like, hey, do you want to go to the 7-Eleven and just get some like Thai junk food and just see what it tastes like? And just like, yeah, just have fun with it. She's like, oh yeah, let's do it. So we go to the 7-Eleven, buy all this, all this Thai junk food and you know, at first we're having fun with it and we're like, you know, some things taste good. Like obviously like they have Pocky, they have like all different kinds of Pocky. So, um, but then they have like these weird like chips and these weird like candies and stuff. So we're just like laughing and, um, I end up eating all of mine and Gaynor looks at me and she's like, was that, was that a good idea? Should you have done that? And I, and I had this drink that I thought was like a carbonated like beverage. Like it was like this coconut drink, but it was like this thick, obscenely sweet and just like super weird tasting drink. And I remember just like chugging back half of it and just immediately feeling so gross. And I look at Gaynor, I'm like, I don't think I should have done that. She just looks at me back and she's like, yeah, you are literally turning white. Like, I don't think you should have done that either. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm starting to not feel good. I think I'm just going to lay down. So she leaves and I, I fall asleep and I, I wake up terrible feeling so gross and just the worst gut rot I've ever felt experience in my life I'm starting to have like a fever or something and mind you like it's already like 30 to 35 degrees every day on the island super humid and I wake up and I'm like oh my god and so I'm legit sick now and so I just I pass back out I wake up in the morning um I don't remember if I vomited or not I probably did but I just remember like trying to just drink water and nothing would 
nothing would stay in. If I as soon it's like it immediately would boil as soon as it hit my stomach. As soon as I drink any water, it would just immediately come back out. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is problematic because um I you know, I don't wanna get so sick that I I need to be hospitalized or something. This is not good. So uh, my classes were Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So the Monday I didn't do anything because usually I'll go to the Monday yoga because they have like the level one program where if you're in the upper levels, you can just go into the lower levels. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm just dying here. I just need to like rest. So I just spend the whole day just like in my room, just feeling terrible. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I I have some kind of bacterial thing. Like there's a bug in me for sure, because this is very, very bad. So the next day rolls around and I'm feeling okay. Um, still like kind of feeling feverish, still kind of shaky, but I have enough energy to kind of get up and but I still can't eat or drink anything. Like I just look at food and I'm like, like, no, I can't do it. I try to drink water again. Same thing. It's like bubbling and boiling inside me. And this point I've gone two straight days without drinking any water. And I'm starting to really feel dehydrated and I'm getting actually like a new level of concern. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm in a tropical Island that is literally like the hottest place I've ever been in my life. And it's so humid. And it's just like, it's just pulling the moisture out of me. And so I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling at least okay enough where I can, I can walk around and I can go do things. And, um, but I'm very much noticing that I'm dehydrated and I, and it's getting a little bit worse as every hour goes by. So every day at four o'clock, there's a yoga class, right? So I think to myself, you know what? Um, Gaynor messaged me. She's going to go to the four o'clock class. I think I'm just going to go. Maybe it'll help, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to the yoga class. Cause I don't, I don't want to be missing out on this stuff. So at least, you know, I can just do, um, you know, I can just take it easy. You know, I don't have to really push myself and the yoga there is very different than what we have here in the West. There's no vinyasa. There's no flow. There's, it's very static. It's, there's this posture, you stay in it for this amount of time. Then there's the next posture, you stay in it and, and so on. There's, it's not dynamic at all. So I was like, you know, this, this is going to be pretty easy. I'm just going to like rest when I need to rest and, and it'll be fine. Right. So we get to the school and I have a bottle of water with me and I'm talking to Gaynor. I'm like, yeah, I'm still like wrecked, but I have enough energy that I can do this. I just can't drink or eat anything. This is wild. I have, I must have some kind of bacteria in me. And, um, so I, I look at my water and I'm like, well, I'm feeling a little better. Maybe, maybe it's gone now. So I take just the littlest tiny step and still like, it's like boiling inside of me and it's just like immediately rejection. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to just do this class. 
So the class goes by and everything's fine and I'm feeling a little bit better by the end of it. And the way that the classes are structured is that um, there's a meditation at the end and in the level one program, they go through the chakras. And so um, in the meditation, they'll do like a music meditation where the music works with the chakra that they're on. So say if they're on Muladhara, it's like very primal, like more percussive and, you know, and then as they move up, it changes to the kind of setting or the, how uh, the nature of that chakra is. So that day was Sahasrara. It was the crown chakra day. And so I'm sitting there and this like very intense, like techno music, but it's like very crown chakra stimulating. Um, and I remember sitting there meditating and focusing really strongly on the music. And then I start feeling this like tingling on my crown and I, and I really feel like something is opening there. And, um, I don't know how to extract to describe this, but it's like in a, in a sci-fi movie where you have like a door that, um, is like a, is like a circular metallic door that opens from the center and it's like, and it, and it kind of like from the center all the way to the sides, it just like opens. That's what I felt happen happened my crown. It's like, it just like opened and this flow of energy from above my head somewhere flowed into my, like, just like went right into my body, like right into the center of my body and right into my stomach. And immediately I start getting this communication that's like, use, use this, use this energy on your stomach. And, and at first I'm a little baffled by it and I'm like, wow, this is actually happening right now. I can actually like feel this. This is really amazing. The music is going still like, and I just, you know, um, really tune into how the music and the sensation in my, uh, the crown of my head. And then this like kind of opening and this flow of energy that I, I follow it down to my stomach and I immediately feel what's disturbing my stomach. And I don't know what it is, but I can feel it that there's something in there. There's something in there because it's I can I can feel it kind of like wriggling around. It's like reacting to um, this like the music. It's reacting to this flow of energy, and so this like guidance is coming through. Like yes, yes, like use this on here. It's gonna help. And so I immediately think of just like a three statement ch uh, mantra, like in English, something simple. And I, I don't exactly remember. It was something like this body is healthy. This body is strong. This body is healed, right? This body is healthy. This body is strong. This body is healed. And I'm just chanting this inside my mind over and over and over, hearing this music, feeling this flow, chanting this simple mantra over and over and over and over again. And then I start to like feel whatever is inside my stomach start to convulse really strong. Like it's like shaking inside my stomach and it's just resisting. Like that's what it really felt like. It was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm staying here. Like, no, I'm resisting. And it just is shaking so strong inside of me, but I just stay calm, listening to the music, feeling the flow, chanting this mantra. And I remember something that Bashar, like, um, if you're not familiar with Bashar, there's a man named Daryl Anka who channels his higher self called Bashar, 
where Bashar, Bashar was talking about how um, uh, when it comes to the mind, believing is seeing. And so you can, you can shift your perspective from one state to another by visualizing what it is you want to shift into. And then you, um, like kind of like superimpose or put them side by side and you bring the thing that you're shifting from into that like new perspective. And so what I did is I asked myself while all this is happening, I'm thinking to myself, well, what is the opposite of what's happening? And I was like, well, that's just a, a normal stomach, a stomach where you don't feel anything. You don't feel, excuse me, you don't feel bad. You don't feel gross. It's just calm, like a calm reflective lake. And so as this like thing inside me is like convulsing and jiggling around and like really fighting everything that I'm doing, I place the image beside it of just like a nice, calm, empty stomach, nice and calm, like nothing in it. It's just um, relaxed and really just calm, right? And so I have all these multiple things of going and happening where this really intense techno music, um, opening of the crown chakra, the flow of energy down into my stomach, the convulsion of my stomach, me chanting continuously, uh, this body is strong, this body is healthy, this body is healed, and this image of, of a calm stomach beside all of this. And as soon as I bring that image in, that convulsion just kicks up even stronger. And it's like so intense and it's just fighting it and 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 fighting it. And all of a sudden it just flips into the image. It just gives up and it flips into the image of the calm stomach and everything goes away. And I'm just sitting there and I stop the chanting and I feel that flow of energy start to just like close and I feel the chakra, the crown chakra just like close and the energy goes up and then synchronistically the teacher tones down the music and ends the music and is like, okay, thank you everyone for coming. Namaste. And it ends and I'm just sitting there so relieved. I'm like, oh my God, I did it. Did I do it? What did I do? I was something worked because I, I feel fine now. And I open my eyes and I look at my water bottle and I'm like, there's only one way to find out. I take my water bottle and I chug the whole bottle, put the water bottle down and I take a breath. Nothing happens. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just like cured myself. I just healed myself of whatever I was going through. And I was like, this can't be so random. Like that was so specific. Like it was like an equation for an outcome or like a, a chemical reaction or something. It's like when you have, um, uh, just like a combustion, right? You need, um, you need fuel, you need oxygen, you need energy and you need a closed system. And when you put them all together, um, it creates this, you know, reaction. It's like, I put these elements together. There's the music, there's the focus on the crown. There's the opening of the crown. There is the flow of energy down. There is the mantra. There is the visualization. All of that was put together so that whatever was in my stomach 
could then flip into the calmness and just the ease and the release. And, you know, I thought to myself, maybe I did have like a bug in my system and maybe it just died. Maybe it just ran its course. Maybe my body, you know, in that moment was like, okay, I got this. And although I don't know, I, I don't know, but it was just so surreal to spend like literally not even 20 minutes or less in this meditation doing all these things and then having a very clear outcome that whatever was in my stomach was no longer in my stomach and I was completely fine. And from that day on, I never had any issues after that ever again. And I was on that island for another um, like month or more, right? And then from then I was just smooth sailing. I went to Kotal for a week and did diver training. I came back and um, like had just more and more beautiful experiences. And I remember getting up and looking at Gaynor and she's like, wow, you look great. And I was like, Gaynor, I just healed myself of whatever I was going through and ended up telling her the whole story. And I was just so relieved. And, and that was, that anchored into me just more the power of yoga and the power of these tools within your consciousness of, um, of mantra and visualization and movement and, um, and the power of focus and concentration and awareness and also loving guidance, guidance. Like I felt in that whole time that, um, in all the intensity and all of like the convulsion and all of the, um, like seemingly like negativity that was in there, like that pouring through my crown chakra and into my body, there was this like immense love, right? There was this acceptance of what was going on. And, and this is where I do think that it does come down to timing and it comes down to location. Um, because I remember trying to do that when I was in India because I had a similar experience where I wasn't feeling too well and it just, it didn't work. Right. So there is this divine timing where you're going to have a phenomenal experience at a certain potency based on the synchronicities leading up to it. And that you won't even know, like I had no idea months before that on that particular day, I was going to go through this like illness of being kind of like maybe food poisoning or maybe some bug or, or something, you know, like maybe that drink that I had was like, um, like tap water was in it from like wherever the facility was that made it. So like in it, there's like, you know, bacteria that just, just like if I were to have like run some tap water from my bungalow and just drink it. Right that, um, it was unforeseen and I passed the initiation. Cause that's the thing. It's like, okay, if you really want to know the power of yoga and you really want to get to the next level, this is what you're going to have to do. And I was really supported from being in a space with like, you know, 50 or more other yoga, uh, students, um, and at the school that really helps facilitate, at that time, um, not really anymore because of all the drama that went through, but, um, you know, I really utilize the space and the time to have this phenomenal experience so that I can share with listeners like you. And so that 
if there's anything that you can take away from this story is that you too have phenomenal experiences. And the thing is, is that you have to look through your life and you have to identify them because right now you're just sitting here and it's pretty mundane wherever you're listening to this and you're looking around, you're probably like, well, I mean, this doesn't really seem like a phenomenal experience. It just kind of seems like what I would normally experience on my day-to-day basis. You know, like I worked or I had school and now I'm home. I had dinner and, you know, I talked to friends or I talked to my parents or I talked to my partner and, you know, it just seems like a part of the mundane. But if you were to actually scan your life and you were to actually go through each year of your life, right? No matter how old you are, you don't have that many years. Like, so it's not that much of an ordeal to look at, okay, when I was one years old, can't remember anything. When I was two years old, can't really remember anything. When I was three years old, I can kind of remember, um, you know, like Christmas and, and stuff. When you're four years old, when you're five years old, all of a sudden you start getting into your years where you can't remember, you can start breaking it down in the year. Okay. Well, when I was six years old, what happened in the winter? Was there anything, uh, memorable in the winter? What about in the spring? What about in the summer? What about in the fall? And then just go through your life like that. And then I guarantee you'll find like, oh yeah, when I was 12 years old, you know, like we almost got into a crazy car accident and I like, I kind of left my body, right? Like just for an example, you know, and then do that periodically so that you rescan your life. And then what you'll find is that you'll pick up more and more these memories that you've just forgotten about or you tuned out that suddenly one is going to really stick out. You're going to be like, holy shit, when I was 16 and when I was at this like house party and there's like three of us that saw UFOs, right? And you're like, oh my God, I didn't even really remember that. And then maybe your friend actually remembers. So you call up your friend and they're like, yeah, like, of, of course I remember that, right? Or um, you like did a psychedelic and through that psychedelic, you saw these like beings or something, right? So that's the point of this is that not only can you have these like um phenomenal experiences you can actually prepare yourself for more and you can call in more and that's the power of your consciousness so you can actually not only prepare for more call in more actually accelerate the rate of which you have phenomenal phenomenal experiences to the point that every day is a phenomenal, phenomenal experience that every day something happens. And this is the beauty of it. This is the beauty of seeing God in everything or seeing your higher self or the universe or whatever you want to call it in everything is that it gets to the point that your phenomenal experiences is your mundane world that each and every day you wake up What normal people are going to say is it's just a regular day for me. You wake up and you say, oh my God, everywhere, everywhere, all the time, no matter where I go, it's in the leaves, it's in the roots, it's in the trees, it's in the bushes, it's in the buildings, it's in every single human being, it's in the walls, it's in the TV, it's in my eyes, it's in my nose, it's my nose hair, it's my teeth. You won't be able to help but have phenomenal, phenomenal experiences. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to put in your situation like I did, where you have to travel to another country in order to have this like profound initiation into healing yourself. But that can happen. And that's the lesson in really this whole life. 
is that you want to be a spiritual being. There's a dedication to it. And when you devote yourself to it, your day-to-day living becomes phenomenal. And that doesn't mean your job changes. Like the job that I have, I'm in the mundane world and I'm working in an office in a shop and that's my career. And then on the side of what I do is I teach yoga and meditation where I can and I produce and create music. I am an author and I have this podcast. And so allowing yourself to see the beauty and the potency of something greater than yourself in all things, you'll open yourself up more and more to synchronicities and divine timing to show you and prove to you individually for yourself, not for anyone else. It's it's not happening so you can prove it for someone else. It's so that your higher self can prove to you that you exist in timelines and in a multitude of, of realities simultaneously and because you're a powerful being. And so what it takes is for that moment of being able to just shed this illusion of, of your, of your body, right? So you can see that I'm not this body. I am the divinity that is helping co-create this body with the earth and that the body actually belongs to the earth and that everything that's happening, all the movements, even you, if you're watching this or listening to this, everything that's coming out of me is not of my control. It's of the earth's control. And that is based on its own blueprint and design of having a human carnation for the experience of life as a human being so that the divine can anchor into something and have a have a protocol of learning lessons to then move on to the next stage of ascension. And that's hard to grasp. That's not easy to comprehend. It's easy to say. I can spout that out anywhere at any time. But to actually comprehend it and to actually live it and to be it and to understand it is a whole journey. It's your whole life. And until the point you transition and you come back to your natural state, do you realize, oh man, like I've known that the whole time and it's on to the next And that was a bit of a rant. Um, I think I'll leave it there. So I hope this series, you learned enough about the chakras. Um, And I hope that it gives you a set of tools so that you can start looking at your life through different lenses. And that's really what it is. And so that when you assess the situations, the challenges, the burdens, the sorrows, um, the unexpected events, that you can use each chakra in a way to view the situation so that you can make sense of it And have a way of growing through it so that you can take steps forward further into your spirituality and into your natural state of divinity. And that's really, I think, what it comes down to. Um, So I'm going to take a little break from solo videos just so I can uh, really catch up on the interviews that I have done so I can um, 
spend this next week releasing all of those so I can catch up. Um, one of my next solo videos is going to be why I'm a yogi, why I've chosen the path of yoga and what it's done for me. Um, and also how it hasn't served me and what I've done to, um, cause injury when, you know, I could have avoided it, but it was necessary. And what it can mean for any of you listening to add yoga into your life in a way that suits you and how you can pave the way for a life that is harmonious for you, your family, your friends, society, and the earth, and how yoga plays a role in all that. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm having a blast share these videos and I'm getting some really nice comments from people, which is nice. Um, it's starting really slow and really small, um, but I appreciate every listener and each person that reaches out to me either to be on the podcast or um, just to do a shout out of appreciation. And I look forward to sharing more. So for now, have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy. <laughs>